Good morning, everyone. It's so nice to see you all out here on the meadow again. And also good to see everybody who's joining us online. Thank you. And thank you for you, you and all of you for your faithful attendance during this year when we, uh, or since last fall, when we, when the rains began and we couldn't meet like this again for a while. But we've been very aware that all of you and all of you are with us since we bought a giant TV screen for our continual streaming of online events. And we got, first we had a big TV screen, but then Hogan said he wanted to be able to see people's faces and not just an array of little tiny squares when we're doing session or doing events together. So we bought a giant screen TV. So we can see your pets come and go across your laps as you sit. We can see your interior decor. And it's very sweet to have you join us for tea and a cookie at night. It's actually been very intimate. It sort of connected us with your lives. And it's very, been very inspiring for us to have so many people join us for sitting here in the Zendo joining us virtually while we're sitting in the Zendo and chanting in the Zendo and for Sashin and for classes and for the nightly groups hosted by our growing array of lay and ordained teachers. This morning uh, when she arrived, Janine, say you asked me a question, which is a question I think many people have right now. She wants to go back east for a family reunion this summer and wondered if it was safe. So, how do we answer that question? Will it be safe in the summer to go back east? To fly on an airplane, go through airports, take an Uber, etc. Not go to restaurants or go take out all the things that we've been dealing with, huh? And she was in particular wondering because she had a friend who was fully vaccinated and still got a serious case of COVID. And I think, you know, we, these questions are constantly arising. When is it safe to go inside a restaurant? When is it safe to go to the gym? When is it safe to travel to Portland? Or when is it safe to travel to Europe? And I told her, perfect, that's great. That's exactly what I want to talk about this morning, which is impermanence, impermanence. Impermanence is so vivid to us right now, which is wonderful teaching of COVID. Because impermanence is one of the three marks, what are called the three marks in Buddhism. And marks means marks of all existence. What are the marks of all existence? So this is, this is what the Buddha taught, but the Buddha also said, um, don't just believe it because this old monk said it. Try it out for yourself. Investigate it for yourself. Are these three marks the marks of all existence? And it doesn't just mean in our lives right now, like impermanence, which is so vivid right now during COVID, but all existence throughout space and time. Are these three marks true? 
And it doesn't just mean people, and it doesn't just mean animals, and it doesn't just mean bamboo. It means everything. It means rocks. It means water. It means sky. All existence throughout space and time, completely, irreversibly, irreversibly impermanent. Is that true? The Buddha said it this way when his cousin Ananda, who had been his personal attendant for years, was weeping as the Buddha was dying. And, and the Buddha turned to him, and you can't tell from what's written, the tone of the Buddha's voice, but it feels like there was a little edge of irritation, maybe. It's like, he said, Ananda, haven't I taught you? And at this point, for over 40 years, all conditioned things will pass away. So this is another thing to investigate. All conditioned things will pass away. So we look at everything that is conditioned. Are mountains conditioned? Yes. Mountains are conditioned. They will pass away. It might take kalpas. That's our Buddhist definition of a long, long time, a kalpa. And it's the classic definition is a mountain a mile high, a mile wide, a mile deep, made of very... The, the most uh, durable stone. And once every hundred years, an angel flies by, or some people say a butterfly flies by, and brushes the mountain with their wing. How long will it take for that mountain to turn into dust? That's a kalpa. But eventually, it will. Hogan was just, Hogan has these vocabulary words that flash across his computer screen. Um, and one of them was, what was the one that we didn't know? Oh, we still don't know it. <laughs> Orgonian? Orogonian? Orogonian? Something like that. And it meant, Darlene knows. <laughs> and it meant the folding process of mountains, right? When they're formed and they rise up and fold up. You've all seen rocks that show that process in geology class or as you've been traveling around. So, Originally, that was seabed, and then whoop, it becomes a mountain. And then, over Kalpas, it becomes a seabed again. Or it becomes the gravel that's all around here. Or the smooth stones, well-worn stones, because the Columbia River used to be up to here. And now it's over there. So, we investigate, are all conditioned things impermanent? Impermanence, also called anicca, is completely connected to the other marks of existence. They are completely intertwined. So the other two are dukkha, which is unsatisfactoriness. We sometimes call it suffering or friction. It has a bunch of translations in English. But unsatisfactoriness, it ultimately it is unsatisfactory. And anatta, no self. So all conditioned things are fundamentally unable to satisfy us because they are fundamentally impermanent. So the uh, Jogan and uh, his friend Adrian came up a few days ago and to pick some things up and we were talking out in front with the masks on and uh, Adrian said, oh wait a minute, I've got something in the car for you and she ran out and came back with a piece of lemon cream pie with gluten-free crust I was like, oh my gosh, that is fantastic. I haven't seen anything like that for over a year. So, 
you know, I ate one bite. But if you really pay attention when you're eating, there's this delicious, the creamy, the crumbly crust. Mmm, it's so good, so good. And you swallow. And where is it? What happened to that pleasure? It's completely gone. It is a conditioned thing. Completely gone. Then you, uh, okay, I need another bite. I need another bite. I need to get delicious back, right? So then have another bite, and that's delicious, and it's creamy, and it's yummy, and then you swallow it. And then, and then you get to the last bite. Oh, no, it really is impermanent. Because I was dosing myself with something that seemed permanent, but it's not permanent. And then you eat the last bite, and then it's gone maybe for another year. I don't know, forever. And then, and, you know, like search for it. Okay, where is it, or where's the pleasure that I had from it? Or, you know, try to summon it up again. But it's gone. It's gone. It is ultimately unsatisfactory. Satisfactory at the moment, moment by moment, but if we slip out of the moment, unsatisfactory. All things are without a permanent self because they are impermanent by definition. So you think of something that you've bought, like a ceramic bowl, or you've made maybe, ceramic bowl or a plate or um, my grandmother used to collect glass um, paperweights, and then my mother collected more, so I have some. I have glass paperweights, but they're impermanent. They're beautiful, but they're impermanent. As one Zen teacher said, it's already broken. If you look at it and think to yourself, it's already broken, then you have no anxiety about it. You can enjoy its impermanent beauty, its impermanent form. just as it is, without worrying. Sometimes I go in the kitchen and we have certain bowls that people made and gave to us. And I, I have to practice that because I look at that bowl and I know it's gone. I know somebody will drop it or hit it against something and it will be gone. We even have metal bowls that have dents in them because of impermanence. So if we completely accept impermanence, there's no anxiety when that happens, when you see that happen. Then there's a fourth mark that's often added to the first three, the marks of impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and no self. And that fourth is nirvana, or the peace that comes when we fully accept the other three marks. When we fully accept the other three marks, then we can be at peace. I'm not saying that's easy to do, but that is the result of fully accepting impermanence and no self and unsatisfactoriness, that all things are ultimately unsatisfactory. Ultimately unsatisfactory. It doesn't mean temporarily. Temporarily, they can be quite satisfying, but ultimately unsatisfactory. So in relationship to Janine's question, I can't tell her what our situation will be in July or August with safety to travel this summer. I can't tell anybody whether it'll be safe to travel. We are learning about the impermanence of COVID itself and all of our precautions and the vaccines and our life and relationship to all those things as they constantly unfold and change. 
Now that is very, very frustrating to people who don't have a spiritual foundation, who don't have something to help support them in acknowledging change. And I often just, I feel sorry for people who have no mind training, no heart training, no mind training, because this would be a very, very difficult time. We're learning about the impermanent, about impermanence. It's just so vivid right now as things unfold and change. And the COVID virus itself is a beautiful example of impermanence. It's morphing all the time because it too wants to live. And our state rules are always changing because our governor, our epidemiologists, our vaccine makers, our doctors and nurses all want us to live until impermanence takes us away. But we have an idea of when that should happen, right? So then we get unhappy about it. This is always true of any relationship to anything. And our non-self is made up exactly and entirely of relationships. Right now, my life is all of you, the grass, the little English daisies in the lawn, the microphone, this cloth, and this cloth actually is an illustration of my life is made up of everything else. Can you see that? It's the endless knot. And it means that all things are intertwined. Completely, irreversibly intertwined. Relationships. We are made up of relationships and relationships are always changing. Our relationship to the shadow on the ground here is changing from the time you first sat down and till now until we get up. Impermanence is just more vivid and more obvious to us right now. We thought, you know, I, I, I fell under the illusion, well, Oregon is so like cool and organic and outdoorsy, you know, COVID won't be a big problem for us. And now we're in our fourth surge. And then in India, you know, there was complacency because they did so well at the beginning, surprise to everyone, including themselves, I'm sure. And now impermanent strikes again. It's a mess. It just makes our hearts sad. Impermanence is more vivid and more obvious to us now. I can't predict whether it will be safe to travel in July, or whether we'll all need boosters for new variants in a few months, or what new studies will come out and give us new information. We're living this study by study. You know, the information is being fed to us bit by bit as people rush to do studies about, can you, if you've been fully vaccinated, can you spread COVID? Probably not, but we don't know for sure. So we wear masks because we'd like to hold on to the people that we hold dear for a little while longer. We know they're impermanent. That's why we're taking these precautions, why we're getting vaccinated, why we're wearing masks. 
because we're aware of impermanence. So I couldn't answer Janine's question, but we can take stock of what we do know, which is what we did. Airline tickets are refundable. The vaccines are astoundingly effective. You know, I've watched the effectiveness of various vaccines throughout my medical career. And compared to all the vaccines we have ever used, the COVID vaccines are astoundingly effective. Like measles, mumps, rubella, it's about 65% effective. We now have these vaccines that are 95, 97% effective in preventing ICU and death. But they're astoundingly effective against the original COVID virus. And we don't know what will happen with the variants. So Janine, as is um, characteristic of most people, already knew the answer to her question, which was... Janine, what was the answer? Yeah, so plan to go, buy tickets, but don't count on it, right? Yeah. Which is always true of everything in life, right? It's always true of everything in life. And it's only when we think, oh, absolutely, it will happen, that then we get into suffering, if it doesn't. So I want us to look together at advantages of impermanence and disadvantages of impermanence. So you can just call out and I'll repeat for the sake of the microphone. What's an advantage right now of impermanence and what's an advantage, a disadvantage right here, right now of impermanence? An advantage is your hair grows back out. An advantage is your hair grows back out. And a disadvantage is yeah, you have to manage your hair grows back out. <laughs> and then you have to shave or cut it. <laughs> yes, okay. How about right here, right now in the meadow, sitting here? What's an advantage of impermanence and a disadvantage of impermanence? Sunshine feels good and warm. Sunshine feels good and warm. Could be, or if you sit there long enough, the shade will come and take, yeah, then you have to get up and move. Oh, gosh. So the advantage of sitting here is she's sitting in sunshine, it's warm, it makes you feel relaxed, it's so great. Disadvantage, of course, down the line is, you know, it could damage your skin, but even right now, if you wait a little while, shade might come over you and then you get cold. Other examples? Give me a disadvantage of impermanence or an advantage of impermanence. Bird song. Bird song. Bird song is beautiful. It happens, but then it's over. 
Yes. Isn't that annoying? Sophie said birdsong is hap happening. It's quite lovely. So we have, uh, Hogan has been feeding birds outside his office window. And we have now have flocks. We have this huge flock of goldfinches that come and go and startle very easily. So they're constantly coming and going. And I'm not sure if they're getting enough calories in from the bird feed he gives them to make up for all the startle flying they're doing constantly. But they're very pretty to watch. And can you, you can hear the twittering. Maybe you can even hear it through the microphone. There's this twittering in the bamboo because we have all these birds here now. It's so beautiful. But then the disadvantage is they poop. We have to clean up the old seed they don't eat. And we listen to their song, and it's very beautiful, but then it ends. Oh, gosh, then we have to listen to silence, or we have to listen to the wind, or we have to listen to something else. And because it's changing. Exactly. This is a really important point. The only reason we can hear the bird song is because it's changing. Because it is impermanent. If it were one continuous note, what happens when you hear one continuous note? Like in the kitchen, we turn on this fan that ventilates the kitchen, above the stove that ventilates the kitchen, right? And it's quite loud. It's like, mm. But if you're working in the kitchen, what happens? Kind of forget about it. You talk loud and you get a little bit anxious, but you don't really notice. Yes. You forget about it. You talk louder. And you get a little bit anxious, but you don't notice until... Someone turns it off. Somebody turns it off, and then you go, whew, what a relief. I forgot that it was that, what, was, what that was. So if, if there's a continual note throughout your life, you would just stop hearing it. You wouldn't notice it. It's the change. It's the impermanence that produces music and actually produces all pleasure in life. It's change. It's impermanence. But then whatever pleasure we attach to that, when, it, when the thing changes, then we're unhappy. So this is the point of practice, is to recognize impermanence is true. And can we live with it and not have it make us miserable? So the advantage of impermanence is we can sit outside again until the weather changes again, or it rains or something, right? Oregon rain comes back. So then we're disappointed. The advantage is right now it's, it's spring again. Then the sun is warm and flowers are blooming and we can work in the garden. And isn't that wonderful? We have a good time. But then, as Dogen Zenji said, flowers fall with our attachment and weeds spring up with our aversion. So we have to go out and pull weeds again and again and again. Right? Isn't that annoying? But we wouldn't have flowers if we didn't have weeds, right? Nothing would grow. Or we'd have plastic flowers. Oh, that's what we need, plastic flowers in the garden. You just like stick them in the ground. And then we don't have to worry about impermanence. <laughs> or we would just put weed killer down, right? Kill everything, including the earthworms and insects. And then we'll be happy. See, we always, humans are always trying to fight impermanence. 
and then we create more problems. Another advantage of impermanence, if you think of your life, is you get to see babies born, right? Those who have grandchildren, isn't that wonderful to see new life, little babies born and grow and change? But then the disadvantage of that very same impermanence is they turn into teenagers and they get obnoxious and then they get sick and then they grow old and then they die. And sometimes they die before we do. And that's out of order. We don't like that. So I told, my, I told one of our relatives in our family who was hesitant about getting a vaccine, I said, I don't want you to die before me. That is out of order. And that's even more distressing to us because we have this idea of how things should change. Yes, they change, but they should change in a certain way, right? And another disadvantage of impermanence is Kisei is away for 10 weeks in Colorado on a private retreat. So what's the advantage of that aspect of impermanence? Here. Residence. She'll return, yeah. She will, uh, new people. We have Soten and Shanae back and all their liveliness and creativity. So this is really something to investigate, impermanence. Advantages, disadvantages, are they really disadvantages? What if everything were permanent? What if sound was permanent? What if there was one sound the birds made and it continued forever? Would that be pleasant? What if this was the weather all the time? What would that be like? People go to Florida hoping that will happen, but you know, then in August, Florida is a furnace. Or people go to Hawaii and they're, you know, the problem with going to Hawaii is you take yourself with you. <laughs> and it's great for a little while and then there you are. So can we see that the same thing can be seen as an advantage and a disadvantage, or good or bad, and therefore neither good nor bad? It is just the mind of this moment. It is just the mind of this moment. Master Sun San said, he's a Korean Zen master, or was, he said, what matters is how you keep just now mind, moment to moment. His English wasn't very good, but he had these cute phrases like, just now mind, just practice just now mind. So what matters is how you keep just now mind, moment to moment. If you understand this, you can always keep enough mind, enough mind. So one thing that happens with practice Let's see if the, the wind is so impermanent. So for those who can't see this, it's blowing my wrapping cloth all around. But I need two hands for this. So one of the things that happens in practice is instead of the ups and the downs, right, the ups and the downs, it's great, it's horrible. I'm so happy, I'm suffering. Instead of that, gradually this goes like this. 
And then it's like, mm-hmm, 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 yep, yep, that's what's happening. Yep, 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 that's what's happening. Now, for some people, that is boring. They want a lot of drama. They want a lot of excitement in life. But you know, the longer you practice, the more you appreciate all the little tiny dramas, <laughs> like the birds flying away and then coming back. It's just so pleasurable to watch these little English daisies in the lawn. Some are pink, some are white. How do they decide who's going to be pink and who's going to be white? Or are they only pink when they're closed up and then they turn white when they open up or when they age? I don't know. We could investigate that. It's so interesting. So everything becomes interesting, even things that are uncomfortable or difficult at their core, has something to investigate once we have the tools of practice. And when our life isn't, our emotional life isn't fluctuating wildly, when it's like, mm, 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 nice, not so nice, nice, not so nice, and we're investigating it, then we have enough mind. This is enough. It is enough to sit here this moment with the wind blowing and not blowing, with the sun shining and the birds singing and the clouds drifting overhead. It is enough. It is enough. During this three-month practice period, we are studying so we always have something that we're studying during our three-month practice period. So this is what we're studying. Wait for the surprise. Zen. It's true. <laughs> so Shanae, I think, suggested that, right? Yeah. Shanae said, why don't we just study Zen? Like the Zen masters instead of like the Tibetan masters and the, you know, everything else. Byron Katie, we have wonderful excursions into studying other people whose teachings are very much related to our Zen practice. But she said, let's go back to Zen. Zen traditions, Omshin gave a very nice talk on the five houses of Zen, seminal Zen teachers, Zen forms of meditation. So we've been having fun practicing Zen (laughs) at a Zen monastery. So, so we've been going over the basics, posture and how posture supports meditation. So Sokan breathing, which is a form of complete breathing. And if, if you haven't read the book Breath, which is a fairly new book, it's a really interesting book about breath, written by a man who initially studied free divers, people who can hold their breath for long periods of time and dive deep and how they train and so on. And then he just got interested in, in breath in general and he decided he would, and breathing, and he decided he would go and, uh, I think he sat with a Hindu group and they did a breath meditation and he had a transcendent experience. And that really sucked him in. And then he started doing research about breath. And um, as part of, the, part of his research, he, I think for two weeks, plugged his nostrils so he was only breathing through his mouth 
because he discovered that a lot of ancient texts from different traditions say, do not breathe through your mouth. It's bad for your health. So he and a friend who came from Sweden, who was also an investigator, had their nostrils plugged for two weeks. And it was not good for their health. That's the bottom line. It, is, it was not good for their health. So that's a really interesting book and very much related to the Zen practice of Sosokan breathing, which is, and you can try it right now, is to breathe, uh, the way I say it, as though you're blowing through a flute, but you're breathing through your, through your nose, like a nose flute, let's say. So you're breathing through your nose, and you're breathing one long, slow note. Don't force it. <clears throat> Don't tighten up. And I'll do it out loud through my mouth, but usually you do it through your mouth, through your nose, quietly, so you can hear it. So you just breathe slowly and evenly all the way out, so like this. Just relax at the end, let the last bit of breath out, and pause briefly, and then relax completely, and the breath will just flow back in by itself. So do that for a few breaths. And if it's hard to do with your nose, try it first with your mouth, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, close your mouth and try it with your nose. Just long, even, steady, sustained. Out. the end. Relax. And let it flow back in and fill your entire lungs all the way up to the top, up, all the way up under your collarbones. And then flow out again. So just this kind of breathing has a very interesting effect on the mind. And we've also been practicing shikantaza. Shikantaza is a favorite sitting practice in Soto Zen. It, ba it basically means just sitting. It has a, other uh, interpretations by other people, but it means just sitting. So it's a very beautiful practice to show us very vividly impermanence. So let's try it together and I'll guide it for a few minutes. I would like you to close your eyes because the field of visual sensation is so powerful it tends to overwhelm everything else. So if you close your eyes so you can focus better and start by focusing on touch. So open the field of awareness to touch. There's even a touch quality to sound, strong sounds. So 
So maybe you want to listen to sound as touch, which it is, it's vibrating air molecules touching your eardrums. the touch sensations on your body there could be the touch of the wind touch of clothing touch of the cushion or the chair you're sitting on try to open up the field of awareness to include all of those touches touch of your hair of your eyelashes Strong touches like the wind right now. And the seat under your bottom. And very light touches. And the chain of touches that we call movement of breathing. The mind tends to dart around and fixate on one area of strong touch, but see if you can just open the whole field of awareness to all touches. And then bring in sound. Touch and sound. As the more we bring in, the less distinct each sensation becomes. That's normal. So we have a field of sensations that are essentially on off, on off, on off, on off, on off, on off, on off. As you hold your awareness in this field of touch and sound sensations, and sound also being touch, I have some questions. At this moment, is this enough? At this moment, this moment, is this enough?
And another question. Move your awareness through this field of sensation, from what we call the top of the field of touch to the bottom of the field of touch, including sound. Move your awareness through this field of touch and sound sensations and look for the self. Where does the self dwell in this field of sensations? Does it dwell in the sensations in what we call the top of the field of sensations or the middle of the field of sensations or to the right or left or bottom? This is all the information we have about the world. Are these sensations? And then you could add in light and color with your eyes dark. You might be seeing light, dark color behind your eyelids. All of these sensations touch, color, light, dark, sound. Searching for the self, where is it? Then another question, where do you find suffering in this field of sensation? This field of constantly changing sensation, touch, 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 touch. Color, light, dark, also touch, it's like touch, touch, touch. Sound, touch, touch, touch. On, off, on, off, on, off. Can you find suffering in this field of sensation? Thank you for doing this experiment and looking, investigating for yourself, as the Buddha said. Investigating impermanence, which we just were, which is the essence of Shikantaza. Investigating the self, or no self. Investigating suffering, or peace. Where are they to be found? One of my favorite quotes from Zen Master Dogen Zenji from the 1200s is, on various people's faces hang old Gautama's eyes, Gautama Buddha. On various people's faces hang old Gautama's eyes, but still they beat their breast in empty grieving. This doesn't mean don't be sad if a friend gets COVID, or we have a couple of people in our Sangha who have long COVID now. 
It doesn't mean don't be sad if a friend has a stroke or dies. It means that freedom exists even within that sadness, within impermanence, within you. Old Gautama's eyes are your eyes, looking inward, looking outward. Izumi Roshi used to say that our suffering is eye disease. Can we look with the Buddha's eyes? That is why all the old masters gave their lives to practicing themselves and to guiding others in practice. That is the promise of our practice, the promise for everyone. We already know this, just like Janine already knew the answer to her question. But sometimes it helps to have somebody outside give a talk like I'm giving now to help uncover it. Freedom within impermanence, that is the practice, promise. Or as Janine said, make plans and then, you know, wait and see what happens. Another one of my favorite quotes from Dogen Zenji is, a deluded person and an enlightened person at the same time use one boat and neither is obstructed. A deluded person and an enlightened person at the same time use one boat and neither is obstructed. So Janine's plans to go back east and make airline tickets doesn't obstruct Maybe I won't be able to go. That's us, exactly. Don't let your delusion obstruct your enlightenment, nor your enlightenment obstruct your delusion. Ponder how that could happen. Enlightenment could obstruct delusion. So thank you very much for practicing together today. It's a delight to see you all here in the three dimensions and all of you in the two dimensions, both of which are an illusion <laughs> and impermanent. <laughs> Thank you. So now we chant, right? Temporarily.